Hello, hello from Jakarta, Indonesia. Thank you for joining the live YouTube episode of Nyamu, aka Clicked and Connect. That's the term in Indonesia uh, for being clicked and connect. With me, Dina Praptoraharja. This is the 14th episode, and this uh, session will be an international version. This is a podcast program, also available on Spotify to get you clicked and connect with current international political economic issues, including on social protection. Our focus today is where is the United States in Afghanistan and Myanmar? In this mini edition, my guest is Kun Kopsak Chutikun. Kun Kopsak is a former ambassador and member of parliament from the kingdom of Thailand. Our crossing path happened about four or five years ago. Uh, am I correct, uh, Ambassador? Yes, in Jakarta. In Jakarta. Yes. Or in Bangkok. <laughs> oh, Bangkok, briefly, yes, in a seminar. Yes. Uh, and then we continued sharing thoughts and information on issues around the region. And to me, he has always been insightful and thoughtful. I enjoy him very much as a companion of reflection on regional issues. So thank you for joining me today, Kun Kopsak Pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you for spending your Saturday afternoon with Nyambung. Much appreciated. <laughs> How are you today? Uh, all right, all right. Well, uh, no, uh, lockdown at home. Can't go out much anywhere. But so, you're joining from Bangkok, eh? From Bangkok, yes. From my, my place in Bangkok, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. We appreciate your presence here today. Uh, and I would like to start by thanking the subscribers and viewers of Nyambung, especially those joining live today. We very much appreciate your support. Don't forget to send us the like, share, <laughs> uh, and comment to make our online sharing and discussion more fruitful for you. So uh, today we also have special opportunity to those uh, viewing uh, live to the best questions of the day we have a reward of 100,000 rupiah each in the form of e-wallet. So please uh, join us, uh, ask questions and comment. And then we, uh, so my discussion with Kun Koptak can be more uh, fruitful to you. So um, the topic today, let's go, uh, let's go straight to the uh, points here. I intentionally put together the issue of Afghanistan and Myanmar uh, in, in one topic for two reasons. The first reason is because both countries currently suffer from humanitarian crisis following the collapse of governance and political order in the countries. Both happened in 2021 at the height of COVID-19 pandemic. Um, the second reason is because both countries are in Asia, in our neck of the wood and uh, stability of the country would affect the stability of the region. So it is very much essential that we who live in this region see these two events with holistic views. A little bit background about Afghanistan. Um, as we are aware, today is the 28th of uh, August. Uh, we notice, uh, we, are, we all know that the crisis in Afghanistan followed uh, after an announcement of US forces withdrawal from Afghanistan. It says that the uh, end timeline was September 11th, but then uh, there was another announcement saying that uh, it will be by August 31st. And the announcement suddenly 
followed by a collapse of governance in Afghanistan as Taliban and extremist political forces declared seizure of power. And then the Afghanistan president Ashraf Ghani fled from the country. President Joe Biden said that it's fixed now that August 31st will be the last day of U.S. armed forces presence in Afghanistan. So Taliban seized Kabul and the entire country causing widespread panic. Uh, immediately, there was a collapse of political order and governance. Evacuation efforts created a sense of fear, uh, desperation, and disarray. And then just a few days uh, ago, there was a bomb blast at the Kabul airport, killing at least 169 Afghans and 13 Americans. Uh, about Myanmar, the political turmoil in that country started in 1st February 2021. Now, of course, we know that Myanmar has been struggling with uh, lots of uh, political issues uh, in the past uh, decades, a few decades. And um, the past one that we just that they just experienced was a military coup that basically collapsed the governance in the country. Now it's going six months. Uh, sky uh, skyrocketing COVID nineteen infection is happening. Violence uh, is spread uh, spreading uh, really fast in the country as well. So in that sign, uh, in that uh, situation of very dire uh, condition, doctors and nurses uh, have been having uh, given arrest warrants. So the question here is, where is the US, of course, in all of this? So I would like to ask my partner in thinking, <laughs> what's your thought on, on all of this? Uh, well, of course, the, the immediate impact uh, in this region as we uh, try to follow events, uh, mostly on the mass media, television programs, events in Afghanistan, uh, I think was uh, one of shock, perhaps, uh, of unexpected uh, consequences uh, and of some concern because the U.S. was involved. I think that's one. And secondly, of course, because of the potential for increased uh, uh, militant uh, Islamist uh, movements uh, uh, to be spreading out again out of Afghanistan. Uh, but in the terms of the U.S. involvement, I, I think because the U.S. is still a major actor in Southeast Asia. Right. And we see, as you say, similarities between Myanmar and Afghanistan. We can see Myanmar in the east and Afghanistan in the west as if like two poles holding up the south underbelly of Asia. Two strategic poles. But many similarities now, as you say. Uh, there's a humanitarian, half the population are starving, uh, medical pandemic, uh, no one is getting vaccines in Afghanistan yet, a lot of medical equipment needed also in Myanmar. There's a civil war, as you say, uh, tribalism, ethnic uh, conflicts in a country that is rich in natural resources, both of them are tempting for outside powers and who have been trying to vie for influence and power in those two strategic points, two strategic points of Asia for centuries now. And we see perhaps a return of the, of the big game again. It was in Southeast Asia in 1975 when the US left, the fall mm. of Saigon. Mm. And then the pendulum sort of swung to to the West, to Afghanistan, Mujahideen fighting, uh, being backed by some Western countries, United States, 
to try to get the Soviets out. So the big question now is, okay, if they think Afghanistan, they are withdrawing, going out, will the pendulum swing back to Southeast Asia? Would they choose Southeast Asia again as a new line of confrontation? We can see recently uh, Vice President Kamala Harris visited Hanoi mm-hmm. and a straight line down to Singapore. We can mm-hmm. see Defense Secretary Austin earlier had visited Hanoi, Singapore, Manila. So may- maybe we can see a new triangle, strategic triangle with the center of, of uh, the South China Sea. So perhaps is that the new area of great power rivalry and confrontation? Okay, let me stop you there. And you say specifically about confrontation, whereas um, Kamala Harris, the vice president, uh, on her recent visit to Southeast Asia, she particularly mentioned about the wish of the United States, actually, at least a few days ago before all the bomb blast happened in Afghanistan, yeah, that uh, the intention of withdrawing from Afghanistan is to, uh, to open a new chapter for the U.S., basically leaving behind the 9-11 uh, story, all the terrorist narrative, uh, terrorism narrative that uh, has been clouding U.S. foreign policy to shift now to the economic agenda. Uh, and this is the reason why she said she is visiting Singapore in particular, because she wished to develop a uh, certain supply chain cooperation uh, in Southeast well, Asia. Your comment on that, sir? Well, uh, th- th- that's hopeful because she also said that uh, the U.S. was not uh, seeking to have a zero-sum game uh, in terms of uh, China and the U.S. relationship, that countries in this region basically do not have to make a choice between either China or the U.S. There could be mutual interest, mutual accommodation. So again, uh, focusing on, yes, trade, development, uh, investment, which is good, supply chain, but again, supply chain was the concern uh, to try to divert uh, from, from China, uh, to try to cut the linkages uh, between the U.S. and the China economy or not. Well, we have to wait and see. There was a trade agreement, of course, that was uh, yeah. promoted by President Obama, the mm-hmm. PTT. Uh, mm-hmm. But ironically, uh, uh, President uh, Trump withdrew from the PTT uh, uh, and now it's China who said it's considering joining the PTT or, or the revised PTT. So we have to see again in this competition between China and the US uh, what will occur. When we mentioned Myanmar, of course, you know, in that particular swing of the pendulum from East Asia, West Asia, and coming back here again now, perhaps, perhaps the South China Sea can be seen in terms of the tennis Wimbledon, the center court. It <laughs> be a side court, you know, that, that goes on. Mm-hmm. So there, some competition being uh, undertaken, very similar, uh, as you mentioned, circumstances, economic developments, a, a civil war, basically, um, fighting an armed group, overthrowing an elected civilian government. And right. recognition in the UN, uh, next month will be a struggle. People have to compare. Myanmar was basically quite uh, straightforward, I think, because people were saying, oh, no, you can't overthrow an elected government. We'll be, we'll be keeping recognition with the former government, with the ambassador in New York. 
But uh, in the case of Afghanistan, people are now thinking, oh, maybe we do need the Taliban to ensure some stability there. Maybe Taliban is not the main threat. Maybe it's uh, ISIS-K more uh, is a threat. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, ETM and other uh, no, terrorist organizations. So it, it clouds the picture there uh, of Myanmar that we were proceeding along, you know, ASEAN, special envoy and all that. So at the very least, I think mm -hmm. in terms of Myanmar, Afghanistan, Afghanistan has taken sort of sucked the oxygen out of the interest in Myanmar because you know people, countries have very <laughs> short circumstances, you know, and and very short. You know, we have to in sound bites. Uh, what is happening, why is it important. But Myanmar has been almost totally overlooked. Just three days ago, Wednesday, was the fourth anniversary of the Rohingya genocide. Mm. Uh, almost nobody mentioned it because right. all the news was on Afghanistan. So I think that is uh, one of the implications right away, consequence of uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. So... Uh, let me also invite uh, the viewers, if you have any uh, questions, please feel free. You can ask in Bahasa Indonesia as well, and I can always uh, translate it for you. Just type it in. Uh, so on the questions on the issue of Afghanistan and Myanmar, I would also add uh, my observation about the, another similarity of uh, U.S. problems uh, for the region or for the world, or for that matter. Uh, Kamala Harris also mentioned that the U.S. Uh, intent is still to be a, a global uh, global actor, basically. Uh, and and everybody who study about U.S. Uh, foreign policy would know that um, the U.S. Uh, approach to uh, many issues uh, is only you know, it's never quite this, uh, quite different between the Republicans and Democrats. Both are interested in going into certain countries with usually two approaches. And we can see the two approaches being uh, prominent in Afghanistan, for instance, military approach, right? Going in uh, to, to, to secure stability, quote unquote. And then if... Uh, matters uh, are not uh, soft or uh, to their content, they would pull away. The second uh, approach that we see in uh, from U.S. foreign policy is to sanction uh, to, as, a, as a form of pressure. And we see that uh, approach being applied to Myanmar. For many, many years, Myanmar has been under U.S. sanctions. And then uh, under Obama, they start uh, lifting a bit that pressure. But now with the collapse of the uh, of the democratic system there, they try to uh, impose another sanctions, different kinds of sanctions to all the individuals being involved in the, in the rule. So I think the U.S. itself are struggling to, to, uh, to create a different image of uh, the U.S. back in the, during the, the Cold War. Is that why they, they still talk about Saigon? I think uh, it's, it's weird. It's already beyond Cold War, and yet they keep talking with the same narrative and, and keeps also refer to the same uh, a different narrative saying this is a new chapter. Do you think they, I, I'm puzzled with this, honestly. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly there are several strains in US foreign policy, uh, but there's an idealistic, uh, ideological strain uh, that, you know, resonated, I think, uh, mm. with uh, a lot of people around the world, at least people of my generation. 
1961, uh, mm. President Kennedy inauguration. You know, those, oh, uh, idealism, the, the uh, uh, eloquent words. Uh, I, I think that as I noted some, we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, mm. in order to assure the survival and the success of liberty. And then he said he gave a pledge to countries, allies, pledge loyalty of faithful friends. That, that, that was, I think, the high watermark. And there was a humanitarian strain uh, in US society, uh, the liberal libertarian strain that they wanted to do good in the world. Uh, and, and that's their own, uh, I think still the, their own notion of themselves still. But then there was a militarist strain, militarism. I mm. think President Dwight Eisenhower, before leaving office, did warn of a military industrial complex that had a vested interest in resorting to military means to solve problems abroad. But then after, you know, after Saigon, after Lebanon, after Kenya, after many ups and downs uh, in the US uh, uh, position in the world, we came then uh, after uh, President uh, George Bush invasion of Iraq and all that, there was a high watermark of the military strain in US foreign policy to settle problems by using military might. Mm. Then we came, interestingly, uh, in, I think to President Obama. Okay. When faced with Syria, uh, I think he was in or, uh, with Syria towards the end of his presidency, uh, uh, he, he had this to say uh, that, you know, um, we cannot, uh, when Obama said that we do not have the ability that to solve all the world's problems, it's beyond uh, America, that they would now look, this is even before Trump. And of course, with President Trump, America first, everything coming back, not mm -hmm. even the allies. So there are different strains uh, in US uh, policy going, pinging back and forth, back, back and forth. Uh, the reaction now to Afghanistan, which of course for the US is that uh, they took a hit in image uh, in terms of uh, credit, credit uh, worthiness, uh, credibility in terms of competence, in, in terms of capability, questions that can be asked of the US. They may rebound, you know, uh, but where would they do it? They have to recoup. They have to recoup that standing in international uh, affairs. Uh, again, is it Southeast Asia that they'll make a stand again, draw a line in the sand? A line in the sand that Mr. Obama did not keep to in Syria, for example. Mm. Uh, he then walked back and said, no, it's beyond us uh, uh, to that kind of thinking. The thinking that I think President Biden has uh, continued when he says, no, we cannot solve it if they're Afghan army does not fight if they don't stand up, if the government runs away, if the government is corrupt, we cannot help them. So so, so that, that again, going back, and we have to see now what position they would take when confronted with a situation in our region. Right. The, the region of Southeast Asia basically um, look at this two events going on in Afghanistan and uh, Myanmar from two uh, lenses, uh, I think. The first one is from the uh, economic side. Uh, mm -hmm. All they want to make sure is that all these two events are not 
um, interfering in the uh, economic opportunities and uh, recuperation even uh, after the pandemic uh, or during the pandemic. Uh, second of all is the issue of counterterrorism to make sure that all this um, uh, instability going on is in these two countries are not bringing in, um, you know, uh, radicalism, radic extremism in particular, yeah, <clears throat> terrorism right. against uh, against the country. So, what uh, what I think is rather weird here is that the U.S. is um, trying to potentially apply what China has been doing to beat China. Uh, presence uh, in the region or potentially globally, so th they 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 may use uh, you know different kinds of narrative to to justify their uh, actions uh, in these two countries. One with sanction, the other one withdrawal of troops. But uh, the the question here, uh, back to the statement of Kamala Harris uh, recently, uh, that basically they want to make sure that the economy. Uh, is is growing. They are trying to strat uh, re inside of uh, the United States and build uh, new kinds of partnership with Southeast Asian countries to beat China, basically. So, it's uh, are you are you looking at uh, are we are we actually looking at uh, U.S. trying to mimic uh, China's um, strategy to win the hearts of uh, countries through economic approaches uh, so that. Uh, they can beat China with their own game? Well, uh, if that's the case, that's good for us, you know, that then you know, we, we have many suitors uh, to choose from, you know, people offering this and that. Uh, mm -hmm. Although there are limits, I, I would think, to, to mm -hmm. what the US can do uh, economically uh, compared to China, because at least China is so much closer by. Uh, but the, the more the merrier in those terms, in trade, investment, tourism, you know, people offering to help uh, uh, and uh, to be involved in uh, national economic development. So good, I, I think all the countries would welcome that. But uh, perhaps it goes more beyond that, mm. more strategic or geographical or national interest. Going back again historically quickly to after Saigon, 1975, because that's always used as, you know, Afghanistan, Kabul, is that the second Saigon, you know, uh, coming back again. After Saigon 1975, uh, and even one or two years before it, you see all the nations of Southeast Asia try to adapt. We open up relations with Beijing. We adjust it. We learn how to live. ASEAN was only five countries then. But after that, slowly over 10, even 20 years, ASEAN has incorporated Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Myanmar into one. So that was adjustment within the region, among ourselves. Mm. Now, after Afghanistan, and maybe I think the enormous loss of faith, at least loss of faith uh, of the United States, and preoccupations continues in Afghanistan, what do we do now if the US were to move back and say, hey, look, I'm opening up a new front here uh, in Southeast Asia? Southeast Asian countries now would have to see, oh, what do we do now? Because mm. China is much more powerful than it was before, after 1975. Even then we had to adjust uh, and to go to China, open up diplomatic formal relations with China. Uh, now, of course, uh, as I said before, China Belt and Road offering, they are even offering to join the PTT with the US 
uh, had originated, had proposed, and then left. So what is there left now? You see, so some important uh, elements, and ASEAN had to look at it. There'll be an APEC uh, meeting next year. There'll be a, this uh, ASEAN uh, meeting in Brunei towards the end of the year. Many countries are expected to participate, uh, uh, at least on the web, uh, and next year, uh, uh, APEC. So uh, we'll have to assess. So first of all, who has more to offer? The marriage dowry, I think, who comes uh, offering more? Then we have to assess that. Uh, but in more than in terms of actual uh, kind of tangible benefits, economic uh, investment and otherwise, we, we have to assess also now. That is the main question now, I think, after in the aftermath of Afghanistan and as the dust settles, is that of credibility. Mm-hmm. And I think in addition to what you say, basically, is that the issue of uh, terrorism, uh, w- because it, it won't go away, basically, then uh, the U.S. cannot just, you know, drop the ball and say, sorry, we're, we're over with it, right? They, they still right. have to somehow develop a new mechanism to, mm-hmm. to make sure that this threat is not spreading uh, throughout, the, uh, throughout the region or the world, yeah? Yes, yes. And, and if they choose, and they say, oh, over the horizon capability, mm-hmm. and then they said, okay, we had a drone attack. So if they're relying only on that, what, what would be the reaction in this region if they conducted a drone attack mm-hmm. on, on a target in Mindanao mm. or in, or in, uh, or, or in uh, Borneo or even southern Thailand okay. or somewhere in Malaysia? You see? So, so that immediately, if they choose that strain uh, in their foreign policy, militaries, you know, forceful uh, application of their strength, which is now their only strength, perhaps, of uh, uh, political, not not uh, of military power, uh, then we'll be in a very, very awkward position, right? But mm-hmm. if they choose to come and offer economic development, cooperation, investment, that's fine, I think. And then the co-prosperity sphere and even working with China, as long as they don't say, and then don't go back. The other concern, I think, is you remember after uh, 9-11, which is coming up soon, uh, they hope to be the bookend of a terrorism, uh, war on terrorism, but no, no longer. I think uh, it could mark the the beginning of a second phase. It's not going to mark the end of something, but it mark the beginning of of something. Of something. So, right. So so if... uh, uh, if the emphasis is on a war on terror by over the horizon means by uh, and, and ignoring other aspects, it will put the Southeast Asian countries in a very difficult position mm. uh, because then uh, if they don't solve the problem in Afghanistan, which continues would then be a pull factor, uh, be creating a lot of enthusiasm uh, among potential jihadists, among potential uh, extremists, to say, look, this is the caliphate, this is the emirate, people going there, people responding there, the spirits of the people, ideological kind of kind of infusion of enthusiasm, uh, extra state going out of their own national state, 
Uh, mm. That that I think would be a, a cause for concern in many of our countries. Okay. Uh, although many, you know, even Indonesia, I think, is able to handle that in in the long term. You have done it, so it, it's not uh, it's not uh, it's not a phrase, you know, a, a thing to be too concerned about at, at the moment. But still, it's it's still there. It's it's, it's like a siren call. It's like a beacon, uh, you know, from from the top of the mountain, which they cannot just leave there. You know, mm -hmm. they cannot just pack up their bags and go. Uh, even, but now even one of their former, you know, defense ministers uh, uh, has said, Leon Panetta, uh, he said, uh, you know, uh, uh, we've, uh, we may have uh, uh, won a battle, uh, but the war on terrorism is not over. Right. So they see a continuing war because uh, uh, President Biden will say, no, we're not having a forever war. We're going out. But then within his own party, the former Defense Minister of Obama, but said no. Uh, the war on terrorism is not over. It's not over. We have okay. to see what are the consequences for us. Okay, Kun Kopsak. On the last, uh, the last segment, let's talk about uh, back again to our neck of the wood. Uh, the reaction of uh, countries, leaders in Southeast Asia to the events uh, unfolding in Afghanistan and also in uh, in Myanmar. Uh, what was the latest response from uh, Thailand uh, that you can uh, you can you can mention here? Basically, I think it's uh, similar to many other ASEAN countries to keep quiet, keep uh, keep uh, your head down, <laughs> you know, uh, don't stick it out on, on, on the on the fortress on the parapet. Uh, and basically, I think it's uh, wait and watch. This is the usual. Uh, the, the ASEAN uh, go-to uh, stance to wait and watch uh, events, which is true. Uh, Singapore, of course, had to come out a bit more uh, clearer, stronger because of the visit of Kamala yes. Harris. Uh, so, so Singapore Foreign Minister said, this, this is a clear uh, threat to stability, uh, the situation in Afghanistan, to security, clear and present danger, I think was his phrase. Uh, to Vietnam, uh, because again, they had to make some response uh, to the visit of Kamara Harris. So, uh, so they said, uh, Vietnam said, oh no, but we will not take sides uh, in any alliance against uh, another uh, superpower. So uh, that that's slowly coming out bit and pieces uh, 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 because of the visit. So mm -hmm. again, we have to wait and see. Uh, how events uh, fold, unfold in, in uh, uh, Afghanistan. Although I think what we can say is that, look, first of all, we cannot leave. The international community cannot just leave, pack up and go and leave Afghanistan as a mess because then the potential for uh, uh, terrorist groups, uh, again, breeding there and then going out you know, making attacks around the world, another 9-11 perhaps somewhere, uh, uh, is there, it's a breeding ground. So international community, let's have another international conference. After mm. 2001, we had an international conference in Bonn, although the Taliban were not invited. International conference led by United Nations, other countries, friendly countries. So everybody has a, a role to play in trying to stabilize uh, Afghanistan, trying to develop it economically. ASEAN can play a little role there also as part of the international community. We have things to offer. Uh, you know, Indonesia has uh, moderation, uh, has an ideological uh, understanding 
uh, of a uh, way Islam uh, uh, you know, uh, can be a, a, a national religion uh, that brings people in society together. For example, Thailand, we can offer maybe like uh, uh, crop substitution programs so that opium does not have to be uh, a main cash crop in Afghanistan, things like that. At the same time, I think Myanmar also needs an international conference now. We've mm. given enough time to ASEAN special envoy. Uh, people say, oh, ASEAN do it, ASEAN do it. But certainly ASEAN has limitations, not least because Myanmar is a part of ASEAN and ASEAN works on consensus. So everything has also to be approved by Myanmar. So those are the internal contradictions that uh, limits the role of ASEAN. So we, I think, now have to move also maybe to an international conference led by the UN on Myanmar and bring all parties uh, to the table. Right. Hopefully that this event unfolding in Afghanistan and uh, Myanmar would bring all these countries into a more firm, uh, firm conscience there that the foreign policy of countries in the region cannot remain the same. And same thing with the, with the, uh, the way they engage uh, in ASEAN. Um, as you mentioned, some of these countries choose to be quiet. Uh, Indonesia is taking the position of uh, still being hopeful that Afghanistan being led by Afghans would uh, finally find the, the, the right tune of, uh, of, of uh, being inclusive to everyone and to, uh, to, to create stability for the country. Same thing with Malaysia. I think the same, uh, the same aspiration is being raised. So that's another angle of looking at this, uh, you know, a, a refoking of colonialism. <laughs> That's what some, some says uh, also about the development. Anyway, it's, uh, many things can still be discussed, but at least um, today, hopefully we shared some uh, our thoughts uh, to the viewers and listeners uh, of Nyambung. I thank you very much, Kun Kopsa, for staying with us much. and sharing <laughs> your thoughts. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully we can see you again. Mm, Sorry? Yes. Well, it goes on. It will go on on and on for many months, years, I think, uh, these issues. Uh, so we, we have to keep following it because it's coming closer to home. It's right. you know, coming closer to home. We can't just ignore it anymore. Right. And, and, and our uh, bilateral as well as regional uh, mechanism should respond to this uh, soon. Okay, thank you very much, Kun Kapsak. I'll see you again soon. And thank you very much. Thank you very much also to the listeners and viewers of Nyambu. Uh, I noticed there were uh, attentive uh, viewers who have been watching us. Thank you so much once again for your support to us. Uh, the share, like, and comments and being subscriber to Nyambu means a lot to us. Thank you so much. Hope you have a great Saturday and see you soon. Thank you so much for your support. Once again, our podcast is available at YouTube and Spotify at Nyambung with Dina Proptora Harja. Uh, make sure to send us uh, your questions or your thoughts uh, through YouTube comment section. And if you enjoy the episode, don't forget to like, share the link to your community and subscribe so you make sure you don't miss our contents because we post every week.